Hello, everyone, again, and welcome again to Hidden Truths. And today we have Bob Barrow, our host. Hi, Bob. How is everything going today? It's going wonderfully, except for the markets. Yeah, it's quite an interesting market. Quite interesting what's going on with interest rates. Yeah, so rates are funny. Last Friday, the Fed had given us the view that their committee, the Federal Open Market Committee, the one that makes the rate decisions, the Fed said that their view was unanimous, that there would be increases, plural, in rates going forward. And so the markets had scratched their head about that because the markets didn't believe it. But then we got the jobs numbers. They were quite spectacular, plus 517,000. And the markets, after we got that, they just threw in the towel. And, and their bet that the Fed would pause and pivot early in the year is now out the window. They threw in the towel on that and they resigned themselves to at least two more rate hikes early this year. If you look at the chart, the blue bars are what the markets thought the Fed would do at the end of January. That's the blue bars. And you see the blue bars are what the markets thought the rates would be for the year. So you can see the blue bars are much lower than what the markets have later priced in. And, uh, and the gold bars are what the markets thought last Friday, and that was prior to the release of both the CPI, which came out last Tuesday, and the PPI, which came out today, the CPI being the consumer price index and the PPI being the producer price index. Right. And so you can see that as of Yesterday, the gray bars are even higher than the gold bars. So markets continue to think that interest rates will be rising rather than what they thought just a week ago. So there were two major economic releases this week, the CPI and the retail sales. Both seem better than expected. What's your view on that? Yeah, they were. The consumer price index uh, and the retail sales both came out this past week. The CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index, that met expectations, rose a half a percent for the month, but the retail sales number rose 3%, and it handily beat the estimate that the market had of 1.9%. Wow, the CPI's half a percent rise for the month was the highest since July. And so at first, the market's didn't think much of it. They took that in stride because the year-over-year -year rate fell from 6.5 to 6.4%. Not much, but it didn't rise. So this is one year, one year's worth of inflation. And then there also appeared in the CPI to be some good news, and that is in this index called Core Services X Housing. So this is the service part of the economy, which is most of our economy, without any housing data. And this has become a focus of at least of the chairman of the Fed, Chair Powell, and probably of the open market committee that makes the rate decisions. That came in at a 0.36%, and that's a 4.4% annual rate. And that's lower than what we've seen all year in 2022, above 0.5. So that was the good news. Just to talk about the CPI a little bit, the rent calculation in the CPI is several months behind reality. And we have seen that other indexes which have current rents in them 
have been falling for several, several months. The rent portion of this particular CPI rose 0.7%. That's quite high. That's an 8.7% annual rate. And we know that's not true. It's been falling. It's just that the methodology that the Bureau of Labor Statistics uses is about seven or eight months behind when it comes to rents. So if we actually take the CPI and take that rental component out and put in reality, which is no increase, that, that would be conservative. What we would find is that the overall CPI would have shown up as only at 0.3%. That's under 4% annual rate. And that would be if the CPI mirrored reality in the rents portion. So that was good news. But then retail sales came out on Wednesday. And the Commerce Department reported a 3% jump in January's retail sales. This was after December's minus 1.1%. The market was expecting 1.9%. So this was quite an upside surprise. But beneath the surface, if you really look at these, things don't look so good. This plus 3% is a seasonally adjusted number. And the seasonal factor for January is just out of whack. If we look at the not seasonally adjusted, this is the raw data, we might have a different conclusion or at least be confused, okay? If you look, go back and you look at the jobs numbers where they said jobs were up 517,000 in January, the raw data was loss of two and a half million jobs. Yeah, yeah. So you scratch your head, gee, how did they turn a loss of two and a half million jobs into plus 517,000? And the answer is the seasonal adjustment process. We expect that companies after the holiday season will be laying people off. And so the same thing here is true for retail sales. The chart that I have here shows a big downward move in retail sales. That's the raw data for January because retail sales actually fell $100 billion. That's a big number, right? It was only by the magic of the seasonal adjustment that this number became plus 20 billion. Okay, so what the government is telling us is that it didn't quite fall as much as it was supposed to. So that's good news. Yeah, interesting. I, I'm not so sure about any of that. Of course, of course. The data that you just discussed would seem to imply that the economy is strong. But doesn't that give the Fed an excuse to continue raising rates like we have been doing? Yes. In fact, because we had the payroll number at plus 517 seasonally adjusted, and now the retail sales number at plus 3% seasonally adjusted, this gives um, this gives the, the Fed excuses that they can raise interest rates. Okay. And it also has influenced many of our economists in, the, in this country to change their view of what's going on in the economy from some a recession that's going to happen or we're in already to one something called a soft landing where we don't have a bad recession or no landing at all where we don't have any recession. And so these two seasonally adjusted numbers play into that. And as I said, gives the Fed an excuse to continue to raise interest rates. So if we look at that chart of rates again, we see what the market expects for rates over the next 12 months. As I said before, the blue bars represent the end of January. The gold bars represent last Friday, January 10th. 
And the gray bars actually represent yesterday, the 15th, and they would be higher if I had time to put them in for today because the market's interest rates closed slightly higher today. Mm -hmm. So if we look at all this, let's note the following things that occurred in the marketplace. <clears throat> the expected terminal rate now for the Fed funds rate, this is the rate that banks have to pay for their reserves, that has arisen from about four and seven eighths at the end of January to now more than five and a quarter percent as of yesterday, and now is really actually in line with what the Fed told us in December with their thing called the dot plot. Rate cuts, okay, they begin in the third quarter. At the end of January, the blue bars expected them to begin in the third quarter. Now with the payroll data and with the retail sales data, the markets have now concluded that we're not going to get any rate cuts until maybe the fourth quarter. Maybe we would get 25 basis point rate cut in the fourth quarter. That would be the gray bars. So all in, what the markets now over the last week have priced in nearly 75 basis points, that's three quarters of a percentage point, higher in interest rates than what they foresaw just two weeks ago. So our particular belief is that the January payrolls report and the retail sales data we're really biased by the seasonal adjustment factors. And we're going to wait to see if the February and March data really confirm how positive those numbers were. We believe that a lot of it is based upon the seasonal adjustment factors, which a slight change in those can throw those positive seasonally adjusted numbers off. Of course. In the past podcast, you have discussed the Fed's DMI, that markets anticipating smooth and the result is not always what the Fed wants. So in light of what you just said, is this still in play? Well, we have discussed this Fed's dilemma, and it arose out of its transparency policy, which is brand new, at least not that old. This is the first rate cycle where they're actually telling us what their intentions are. So the dilemma says that in the initial stages when the Fed is tightening and they tell the markets what their intentions are, the markets immediately move to tighten. And it does it for the Fed doesn't have to do any more tightening. The markets have done it because the Fed says we're going to tighten to such and such a point. But when it comes time for a recession comes or the economy starts to weaken and it comes time for the maybe for the Fed to stop raising interest rates or even move interest rates down, this causes some heartburn at the Fed. I'm going to quote this from their December minutes. Quote, participants noted that because monetary policy worked importantly through financial markets, an unwarranted easing in financial conditions, especially if driven by a misperception by the public of the committee's reaction function, would complicate the committee's effort to restore price stability. In other words, the Fed is now recognizing that if they tell the markets that they're going to stop raising rates or even perhaps sometime in the future lower them, and the markets move interest rates down, it's not what the Fed wants. So there was that dilemma. And if you look at these two charts, you can see that one is of the 10-year treasury rate and one is of the two-year treasury rate. It was on a down slope. And now over the last week, we get this big spike up and it looks like the Fed at least has convinced the financial markets 
that they're serious and that they really are going to raise rates to over 5%. So the markets threw in the towel and are now cooperating and tightening up policy just like the Fed wants. So there have been some recent articles in the financial press that labor is easier to find. What does this mean for the economy, Bob? And what about all the layoffs that we see in the news almost daily right now? And there was another one today. I forget who it was. It was in the tech sector. It was in another company that you all know. And so the question is, why is labor now easier to find than it was even three or four months ago? And that's an important issue when it comes to our view of what's going to go on in the economy. Also, the quality of jobs is important in assessing the health of the labor market. If you look at the next chart, on the right-hand side of the chart, we see that the black line, which is part-time jobs, have increased. And the blue line, which is full-time jobs, has decreased. In fact, while all of the job growth that we've seen in the last half of 2022 has been in part-time jobs. The the one survey that the Fed does shows that there has been no increase in full-time jobs since May. So all of the increase that everybody talks about has all been part-time jobs. Part-time jobs are not the equivalent of full-time jobs. Most part-time jobs don't have benefits and most time part-time jobs are lower paying than full-time jobs. And we have to we have to say not all jobs are created equal. Let's talk about layoffs. We see layoffs now almost daily. There's a new announcement. The Wall Street Journal recently published a list of corporate layoffs. There were 32 companies mentioned in including Google, Amazon, Dell, Disney, IBM, Microsoft, Salesforce, Zoom, even in the financial sector, BlackRock, Bank of New York, Mellon, Goldman Sachs, in transportation, FedEx, in food service, McDonald's, in crypto, Coinbase, in industrial, Boeing, Dow Chemical, uh, and 3M, and the list goes on. Those are all the companies, or just some of them, that have announced major layoffs. So I added up the number of those 32 companies in the Wall Street Journal list. The number was more than 93,000, and it was more than that because some of those companies didn't specify how many they were laying off. In, in past podcasts, I noted that the layoffs had been concentrated in the tech sector, and I commented that I was worried because the tech sector is America's growth engine, and if that's where we're losing jobs, then it's troubling. But now the layoffs look like they've spread to financial services, to retail, to crypto, and even to the entertainment sector, Disney. Data from the Department of Labor last week, the week of January 21st, shows that there's been a large weekly change, more than 50,000 in the continuing claims data. There's people on unemployment for more than one week. As a result, despite the fact that the unemployment rate fell to 3.4% in January, that's the rate that they call U3, The U6 unemployment rate, which is more encompassing, it's got a broader definition, uh, and it includes things like part-time for economic reasons, and uh, those who aren't in the job market would like to have a job anyway. That particular index didn't fall. It rose from 6.5 to 6.6. So we expect that over the next month or two or three, we're going to start to see the unemployment rate rise because of all the layoffs. 
That makes sense. So the credit is really the lifeblood of the economy. And in your last podcast, you noted that auto and credit card delinquencies were really on the rise. What's happening there? Any thoughts, any other thoughts on this? Yeah, no doubt that the U.S. economy runs on credit. <clears throat> in December, at the height of the holiday spending season, consumer credit advanced 2.9% at an annual rate. That is the slowest rate of growth since way back two years ago in November of 2020. It should also be of concern to those who are economists and look at the economy when America's banks see falling loan demand and at the same time, they're all tightening their credit standards. If you look at the next chart, you'll see on the left-hand side, these are the loan categories and how many new loans were made by banks. And you'll see over time, as we go, the blue bars are the second quarter of 2022. The black bars are the third quarter and the gray bars are the fourth quarter. And you can see demand falling off in each of the categories, credit cards, commercial and industrial loans, especially auto loans, and then look at mortgages. And so we see that just this big fall off. If you look at the right-hand side of the chart, you can see that these uptrend in these different ratings for auto loans, mortgages, and credit cards. That means banks are tightening their standards. And so you have a, a less demand, lower demand, and tighter credit. And that means the banks simply won't be making as many loans as they had in 2022. And so in in our economy where it runs on credit, if you don't have as much credit, then economic growth is going to be hard to come by. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You've also discussed housing and how it is important to the economy. Are there any news in that area? Yeah, actually today came out both housing starts and permits, which have been falling with fell again in January. The month's supply of inventory is rising. That means that prices are too high. Prices of both new and existing homes have started to fall. And at the heart of the matter is something called housing affordability. The next chart shows that housing affordability is now lower than it was even at the height of the housing crisis during the Great Recession. Now you can see on the right-hand side of the chart and the chart goes all the way back to 08, that the housing affordability is less than it was back then. Um, right, and now it takes nearly an income of $100,000 a year to afford the median-priced home. Just two years ago, that was 55000 So it's almost double yeah. the income that you need simply to buy the house. Well, it's not only the price of the house. It's because mortgage rates have risen from very low levels to 7% now. That's why the income required has gone up so fast. In that housing market, something's got to give. It's either interest rates have to fall or prices have to come down and likely both will happen here sometime here, maybe sometime this year late. So we also note that Canada is a little bit ahead of us. Prices there have already fallen 19% from their peak in 2022. So housing doesn't look very good. And without a healthy housing sector, it's hard for me to see the economy as being very bright, vibrant. 
Yeah, really impacts so many people. Yeah. So any final thoughts, but it's really interesting to see what's going on right now. But what would you like to leave your viewers with? Yeah, the Fed has done a lot of jawboning. And now that we've seen, at least on a seasonally adjusted basis, better than expected jobs and retail sales, all that jawboning has finally convinced the financial markets that they should move interest rates up, which they did this past week. And unfortunately, stock prices are starting to fall. They see, because of those numbers, the Fed sees a higher probability of a soft landing or you know, no recession at all. I really doubt that will happen. We're going to have a recession. And so the markets have acquiesced to the Fed, threw in the towel, and are pushing interest rates higher. So that means the slight decrease that we saw in mortgage rates early in January is now being reversed. So that last chart we showed of housing affordability is still in play. What isn't being discussed is the lagged impacts on the economy of the Fed's past rate hikes. And what isn't being discussed is the choking off of the growth in the money supply and the tightening of credit by the banking system. When all of these kick in, and they're just starting to, but they have a long way to go, our already sputtering economic engine is sure to end there. Yeah, when there's so much uncertainty and so many changes in the economy in general, isn't it a good time to revisit your portfolio and make sure that your asset allocation is done right? Is that something that you recommend? Yeah, everybody should be looking to have their assets in a safer place. Right. Now, I will say that in 2022, there was no place to hide. Both stock and bond prices went down. This week, bond prices went down because the markets acquiesced and are raising rates. That'll come to an end fairly soon. So I think by the end of the year, bond prices will, will start to be favorable. You can get pretty good yields in treasury bills. You can get 5% for one year. Boy, you have to think back long and hard when was the last time we saw that. It was about 20 years ago. And yes, have your financial advisor examine your portfolio and try to make it a little safer. This is why we come to you to understand the markets for better than anyone else. So if you want to have your portfolio analyzed by Bob, you can schedule a time. You have the link below. It's something that is a good idea to, to look at right now. Great. Thank you. It was very valuable information, Bob, as usual. So much here that we need to keep in mind and think about for the next few months. Thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the channel and we'll see you next time.